0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. We're going to talk a little bit about what we are looking to do here in the new year, new year, in the new school year in the fall. Uh, We, as I mentioned, we have put dinners on break for the summer to try to figure out what it is that God wants us to do. We've been trying to get back in a dinner church for about a year, year and a half, kind of low key versions of it, whether it was ordering pizzas, but then we moved from that to actually like making food and we still have yet to just like see the natural comeback of it. So we're trying to pray. God, what do you want us to do here at 1208? Because we know if that if we just try to keep doing the same thing that we're doing every week, like there's a little bit of insanity there, madness there when there's no results to it. So we got to figure out because God has a plan. He wants to reach Jackson. Uh, we have gone through a pandemic, which makes things difficult. Uh, there have been plenty of moments of spiritual warfare over the last few months and over the last few years. And 1208 has a history of shattering every time that it starts to move somewhere. And so as we look forward to what God wants to do in this next season, let's protect our hearts so that we don't get used by the enemy to shatter things again. And let's give ourselves over to God. Like Jesus changed the whole world through 12 disciples. He can do it with the 20-ish of us in this room. But one of the elements uh, that I want to talk about today is... Uh, Near and dear to my heart over the years is something that God put on me uh, probably about 12 or 13 years ago and then just kept growing it over the years. And to a lot of people, this sounds like something boring or like it it doesn't really have a lot of spiritual connotations to it. But to me, this is like as spiritual as it gets. It's, It's prophetic. Prophetic ministry to a lot of people means listening to God's voice, speaking it out, seeing supernatural crazy things happen. And it is. But prophetic also means in another stream of the church, serving the poor, keeping them in front of us and paying attention to those who are oppressed and in need of all kinds of things. And that's what I'm zooming in on today. Here's here's the great problem with the chasm of the prophetic in the church today. Those two things belong together. If you are listening to the Holy Spirit, he is going to tell you to take care of the poor. We like to strive for the supernatural because those stories are crazy and bizarre. I tell you, if I add a little supernatural element from my life into a blog post on any given day, the likes go up. People <laughs> are like, oh, crazy, I can't believe that happened. But if I talk about the poor, it's kind of like that awkward Oh, oh, James being political as though the poor is politics. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he will speak about the poor. Think about this all day, every day for thousands of years. God has been in heaven listening to the prayers of people. What, you, what themes do you think have come up over and over and over and over and over again before his throne? Probably things like this isn't right. This isn't just. This isn't fair. God, I am oppressed because of my finances. I am oppressed because of my race. I am oppressed Because of A, B, C, D. The list just goes on and on and on. And God looks out as a God of justice and he hears those prayers. And he knows things aren't right. He knows humanity is oppressing one another. He knows spiritual beings are oppressing humanity. And he knows that these prayer requests are coming before him over and over again. And he knows that those particular prayer requests are often the reasons that people don't want to believe that God is real. Because God, if he's real and if he's good, then bad things shouldn't be happening. (coughs) And God has an answer to the bad things that happen in this world, and it's called the church. And if you look throughout history, you'll see like hospitals. Why so often are they named like St. John's or St. this or St. that? It's because the church somewhere along the way said the sick need to be taken care of. Why are Christians always making things like food banks? Why are Christians trying to find ways to find people the aid that they need and all these different things? It's because throughout history, the church has tended to be on the forefront of listening to the Holy Spirit's voice and recognizing that the poor need to be served. And if you just read the prophets, the people who heard God's voice the most, the people who, who saw the craziest supernatural things, their eyes open to see angels and calling down fire from heaven and all these kinds of things. Those people were always talking about justice, were always talking about the poor and the needy. And those prophets, they were not kind to oppressors. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read the prophets before, but I did it once, all in one long streak. And I was so depressed when I was done. <laughs> The prophets are supposed to, I mean, the Bible should cheer you up, I would think. But if you ever just read through the middle part of it all in in a few days, you will be so overwhelmed with sadness and guilt. (laughs) Because there's doom and gloom all over the place. And if you think that you're not an oppressor in some way, read the prophets and you will see yourself in there somewhere. That the rich oppress, uh, that the uh, middle, 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 middle rich, middle class, thank you. (laughs) The middle class, the middle class oppress, and that even the poor oppress one another. And God has a special interest in those kinds of things. Because he hears those prayers and he knows it's not just and he knows it's not right. So he keeps calling his people to be different than the rest of the world and change the way that they're acting. So when the church comes about, they are infused to go and do this stuff. And the church, the early church, they were oppressed themselves. But they continue to serve people anyways. In the book of Acts, it's kind of interesting, some of the first things that come up. At one point, uh, there's uh, a particular sect of the church that's like, look, our needs aren't being met. You guys have been trying to gather everybody's wealth and then distribute it among us to create a utopia of sorts where everybody's served. But there are this particular like race within Jewish society that aren't getting food in the daily distributions. And so the church goes ahead and finds an answer to that right away. Well, we got to make sure people are fed. How can we do that? And then as the story goes on, you see that God puts into the heart of the early church, there is a famine coming and you need to be prepared for it. And so when famine comes, the church is on the forefront to be able to take care of that. Look at Jesus himself, the prophet of prophets, the one who walks around, Doing ministry, Who does he spend all of his time with? He's always around the poor. He's always around those who are in need. Be it for healing. There's a woman who spent all of her money trying to find a medical fix to a bleeding problem. Does that sound familiar? How many times have you spent all of your money trying to find that fix? And Jesus in a moment heals her sees her. And in that case, supernaturally ministers to the poor. She didn't get rich off that moment though. She's still going to need help. She's still going to need people to rally around her. Goes up to the lepers who are the outcasts of society. Cleanses them of their leprosy. And now they can rejoin society. They're no longer going to be the outcasts. They're the miracles. Of what God can do when we have our eyes on the poor. But a lot of times when we see the leper, we kind of stand away. That was one of my biggest fears, honestly, with the pandemic. Is that people would become inhuman. Instead of seeing one another as someone that we love and care about, they would be a threat to us. No more hugs. No more handshakes. I mean, right away the news articles were coming out. At the start of the pandemic, scientists have been trained for a while, we shouldn't shake hands anymore. How inhuman, how un-Jesus-like to see others as threats. And don't get me wrong, I understand like social distancing and all that kind of stuff when it was first going on. But the habits that we can instill in ourselves from the pandemic of people are threats and they need to stay away from me, that can become dangerous theology. When Jesus goes up to the leper, it's not the leper moving up Jesus, it's Jesus moving up the leper. And the leper having it fall off, his leprosy fall off and be healed. How often do we think like that? I've had a vague memory come to mind. So I haven't heard this story in forever, and it may be very, very spotty, but I think it's Heidi Baker. I'll just share what I remember from many years ago, but the Heidi Baker, there was a certain part of a hospital where all of these kids had this dangerous disease, these little babies that they just weren't gonna make it. Like no one could make it through that. And yet, despite what all the doctors told her she could do, she just walked right in and started picking up each one. Still alive, she should have got it too. And I'm trying to remember, too, if the babies were healed as she picked them up. She's got a lot of crazier stories than that, so it would make sense. But that's the kind of like passionate love of Jesus that goes to the poor, that doesn't see them as outcasts, that doesn't treat them lowly, but prophetically steps into their zone and loves them and cares for them and sees them and touches them. And Jesus spent a lot of time, a lot of time healing people. I don't know if you've ever been (laughs) to a healing service where somebody has been especially gifted with healing. But it is a long service for that person on stage. As every single person, hundreds of people in the entire room want to come up and get their healing for the thing that they've been dealing with. You wonder why Jesus fell asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm as water splashed on his face? It's because that's what he did constantly, all day, every day, sitting with the poor. It, it the Bible just like condenses it all. It says, and every disease and every affliction and every demon that came their way, Jesus healed it. Because the authors didn't have the time, money, paper, or the expenses to pay for paper to tell you every last healing story that happened. But over and over and over again, Jesus is just with the poor, and it says... Everyone was healed. So Jesus was tired. So much so to the point that like he had to get away sometimes. Disciples would wake up. They wouldn't know where he was. (laughs) He was out praying. I think he didn't wake the disciples up because he wanted to be alone. There's other moments where uh, Jesus sends the disciples away on a boat and then he goes up a mountain never says, like, I'll see you guys later. Like, I'll catch up with you. He sends them across the lake. How's he going to catch up? Jesus just goes up a mountain to pray. To be alone. He's had a lot going on. He's been healing people nonstop. He's tired. But that's what he does. The Bible constantly talks about how Jesus is filled with compassion. Compassion, compassion, compassion. If he didn't have that compassion, it would be easy to say, look, I got to get away. I'm sorry. I got to go. I'm not going to heal people today. But no, every time Jesus is met with the crowd, compassion, compassion, compassion comes on him. And he burns himself out praying and healing people. And at that one point where he sends the disciples away, it seems like he still doesn't want to get near them when the disciples find themselves in such a strong wind that they can't get the boat to move forward. You know that story where Jesus walks on the water? It says, Jesus tried to pass by them. I imagine Jesus was like walking towards the disciples. He's burned out. He's tired from from serving and serving. And as he gets there, he realizes the disciples aren't moving anywhere. Doesn't really want to deal with this right now. And so he just tries to sneak by. (laughs) But the disciples see him and Peter's like, oh, it's a ghost. Because humans don't walk on water. And then Jesus, I imagine, is like, oh, no, guys, just me. Come down here. You can do it too. (laughs) That's not true. Peter just kind of jumps in. Uh, But like in that moment, like Jesus is tired, but he continues to serve. He continues to love. He continues to pour out his compassion all the way to the cross, which is the ultimate sacrifice of compassion. I mean, there's no greater compassionate moment in the story of Jesus or throughout history than that, where some human, who is completely sinless and perfect, took on the electric chair of his society on behalf of those of us who should have sat in it for our sins. The ultimate demonstration to all the human poor of the world that we all are, regardless of finances, that God is a compassionate God who loves people with an eager desire So, when we prophesy, when we speak out of the power of the Holy Spirit, we should be speaking not just words of comfort and consolation and exhortation over one another, but also words that uplift the poor and words that prophetically call out those causing injustice. And that, of course, starts with the logs in our own eye. How are we the unjust ones? Who are the people we're oppressing? Because there is no end to oppression in this world. You walk into a store. You buy a popsicle that you didn't realize was connected to a company that also dishes out chocolate that uses human slave labor to get the chocolate. And suddenly you're the oppressor without even knowing it. We point at ourselves and say, God, end the oppression in me. And then we have the ability to look around with the eyes of the Holy Spirit and say, this thing over here, it's not right. You know, I realized during the pandemic when a lot of hot topics came up that I could have got myself in some big trouble and perhaps did. I don't know. But when I see oppression and political stuff, the spirit fills me and says, like, there's a Jeremiah, there's a fire in my bones. And if I do not speak, it will burn me up. There were moments throughout the pandemic that I felt that why I encouraged us to get involved in the Black Lives Matters marches and things like that throughout Jackson. Because there's a fire in my bones that this oppression is not right. And I need to state that and join in those who need the help. <laughs> Nobody should have to ask the question if they matter. Everybody matters in Jesus' eyes. He went the full distance to prove that to us. So as we look forward to whatever he's calling us to, Uh, It's not just like a Jamin thing, like Jamin just really has a desire for social justice. No, this is a Holy Spirit thing that he's always been trying to put on the church. You need to care about people who are different from you. You need to care about people who would be uncomfortable walking into your church. You need to care about people who have been offended by the church. You need to care about people who need desperate help. And it doesn't matter if they're nice to you or not, or if they take advantage of you or not. Everybody is worthy of the compassion of Jesus. If the spirit is speaking, the poor will be taken care of. And the church has had a big problem by either wanting to be supernaturally prophetic or social justicely prophetic and never uniting those two together. Because true justice, true justice is God. God. We can't define it by ourselves. That's often why the Bible even says just leave justice to God. Because humanity, if you take that into your own hands, you're going to screw that up. So as we look forward to what God calls us into, how does taking care of the poor fit? It fit really easy with dinner church. We had lots of people who were homeless and impoverished who needed the food and came for the food. Uh, I remember one night like a deaf man with a dog showing up. And us trying to communicate to each other, how can we get you some food and, and things like that. Like Those kind of stories, like you, you don't find that in every church. There are some churches that I've been to where I'm like, why is everybody here so beautiful? <laughs> Where's the space for someone like me? You, know? you need a space for, for all people, regardless of look, regardless of anything, that we all would be touched by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we come before you right now. And each one of us, we come in a different way. Different races, different ethnicities. We've had people of different languages, people with disabilities, people of different socioeconomic status. And that is the beautiful expression of your church because you didn't call it to be the same. Your bride is one that carries the DNA and genetics of every single race and every single person. And God, you have refused to come back until you have seen as many saved as you can. You are no respecter of persons. You do not favor someone else over over others. You are not one to uplift the rich. Put down the poor. Your eyes do not work like our eyes. Your heart does not work like our heart. The dividing lines that we put up around ourselves, you've been trying to erase for a very long time. So erase the ones in me. Erase the ones in us. And help 1208 to submit its heart to be more like your heart. There are some things, God, that we just don't need to pray into. Because it's obvious from scripture already. And there are some things where people are always like, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word. Taking care of the poor is not a word that needs to be told to us because it's been said so many times already. So whatever it is that you have us look like, would you please help us be able to incorporate that and help us serve all the different people that we served before? the eclectic mix that was once 1208, help our hearts burn to get to that point. For you give your people different kinds of gifts. That includes the gifts to give and serve. Empower us in all the different ways that we are. Fuel us with compassion. And give us both the uh, spiritual wisdom we need And the general uh, know-how of wisdom that in whatever situation we find ourselves in down the road, the people that you are calling us to serve will be served. We sit here right on the corner of McNeil and Greenwood between four different kinds of communities, if not more. And we don't say that we want to reach just one of them. We, We want to reach them all. Help us know how. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, As always, if the Spirit puts anything on your heart about what we need to be doing when we launch in the fall, our board's going to be talking, but this is a communal effort. You are the body. God has gifted you in ways that he has not gifted me. And I need to hear what God is putting on your heart so that we can chew and discern on everything that's out there as we see where God leads us. Okay, we will catch you guys on Sunday, if not sooner. And please remember to check out our reveal webpage to get signed up for that. All right, thanks. See you soon.